0: You're listening to Music Tectonics.
1: Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech to find where innovation is breaking out. I'm Trister Neuer-Jager, Director of Strategy at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the music tech PR firm we're wrapping up our conversations with the latest winners of Medium Lab, an international music tech startup competition that showcases innovative solutions to help the music industry build new consumer experiences. If you missed part one, you can find it in all past episodes at musictectonics.com slash podcast, or look for it on your favorite podcast platform. In today's episode, Dmitri Vitsa interviews Daniel Morrow and Wayne Yardley of Ripla, who won in the Music Distribution and Discovery category. Then, Dimitri chats with Gordon Midwood, CEO of Anything World, winner of the Live Music Experiences category at Medium Lab. Take it away, Dimitri! Awesome. We
2: are back with our Meetem Lab winner roundup here. Today, we've got the uh, folks that won from Rippla, and we thought it would be great for you to get to know them. Uh, we've got Wayne Yardley, who's the founder of Rippla, and Daniel Morrow, production director of Rippla. Do I have that right, Daniel? Yeah,
3: and co-founder, if, if we want and to co-founder. get
0: uh, specific.
3: Let's yeah.
2: get specific. Awesome. <laughs> well, great to have you guys on today. How are you doing?
0: Really Very good. good, thank, thank you. you. Yep, yep, all good.
2: Good. Well, Wayne, um, tell us about Rippler. What do you do?
0: Cool. Yes. Yeah, so Rippler, um, we broadcast live and exclusive music performances um, around the globe. Um, so our initial sort of venture was always um, with venues um, and it became a sort of uh, understanding of the touring circuit and music. And how do we, um, how do we kind of reach places that, that don't kind of get to see the, the huge tours that come through different towns and cities um, so we sort of echoed the national film theatre, national opera model, where you'd film a band and then you project them into um, different venue spaces across different lands. Um, that's how Ripple was born. Um, obviously, through the COVID pandemic, most venues shut down and venue became an interesting concept in terms of is it online, is it offline? Uh, then this whole hybrid world uh, becomes present so um yeah we, we sort of ventured into ventured into both sides of that really
2: that's cool so d- did it it existed before the pandemic
0: yeah so for us um we did initially start um with the idea of taking a band uh, filming them and then projecting them into many different venue spaces so we, sort of uh different iterations of that idea um we kind of had several gigs that we put on ourselves and we sold those gigs out, filmed them and and put them into different venues. They went on to work with Violin Records and Mumford and Sons and with that particular show. I think we put it in ten venues around the UK and I think it was twenty one countries that went to generally hang on a minute. No, eleven countries and twenty five cities. Um and the London venues were oversubscribed by over a thousand percent, which was crazy. So from that point, we understood that people wanted exclusive access and were happy to go out and see content that um, they weren't able to get hold of.
2: It's a lot more social than just watching on your screen at home, I guess.
0: You've read our pitch deck. Yeah. No, no, I'm just I'm just <laughs> reacting to it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. That's something we felt, you know, um, we all come from the music industry. I played in a band for years um, and, you know, you tour in the UK, you tore up and down the M1 and um, you miss all of the, um, you know little pockets and little areas I'm from a small town in Kent where nothing comes through um, mm. except for gazi weirdly played in <laughs> Whitstable Town Hall which was the weirdest thing because there were never Sounds any bands. Fun. so it's just that sense of you know if you're in those pockets what would be really cool to see and if you have some exclusive content in your local venue or cinema then then that's a really cool exciting thing for people in in those places.
2: So how did you get from being in a band touring to RIPLA? What, what, what else was in your background that got you there?
0: <laughs> That's an interesting question. Um, how did I get there? Um, so I started off, um, I used to work at the BBC for a while. Um, and I also worked in documentary filmmaking uh, for a period of time. So you know, both of those things were sort of um, what I kind of ran around doing as, as part of my life for the, for the largest period. Um, and also just played music. And so when I was in the band, um, we eventually, um, we, you know, we we played all of the places that you play, you know, in, as a band growing up. And we went from the smallest dive bars, when, we ended up playing like at the O2 and different arenas and going on tour and doing those huge things. And, but all the while, I still had the sort of, um, you know, how does how does it work if you can't tour here, if you can't tour there? And had my kind of fingers in the filming pies of, you know, music videos and, and bits and pieces. So that that side of it always remained. Um, so when I left the band, it was just yeah, looking at. I think live streaming was sort of becoming something, um, and you know that that kind of space within music videos, live streaming, where was that heading? Uh, touring models all started to just kind of fit into one sort of like idea, really, um, which was good to chat through with Dan and um, and our co-founder Ricky because they're all from that industry. So they understand um, kind of where I was coming from. I think.
2: Got it. Well, Dan. Speaking of which, what's your personal background, and how did you get into this?
3: Yeah. Um, also, also stemming from from music and, and being a performer and uh, playing in, well, I played in all the, the the most terrible dive bars and just never really <laughs> went further than that. But uh, it was still like, it was still many different venues of of different types, and really, really, that's that's sort of. A great place to start because you can see what, what can be done better and differently and and, and the scope of, of that. I also um, helped write a guidebook on on music venues in, in New York, worked in many venues as a sound engineer. So all that kind of venue backgrounds, a little bit of event stuff as well. Um, but um, I then went on to start a uh, co-founded a virtual reality company. Um, and that sort of gave me a whole new angle on, on events online, um, and sort of, it's also a good background, you know, for when we started looking during, during the pandemic of how to make this stuff work, you know, in, uh, I shouldn't really be allowed to say the word metaverse anymore, but, but let's face it, that's, that's where we're headed. Uh, and that, that sort of world and yeah. And sort of, um, seeing how events can work and meet, you know, the same kind of concept online as offline which is as you said you know people meeting and coming together to watch something is is way more exciting and that fan engagement angle so background in that in that world was was super helpful as well
2: Yeah, it's kind of interesting that you bring up the the metaverse thing because you guys are talking about like when you come to a digital and a hybrid experience, where is there, right? Where's the space? Where's the place? Where are people gathering? We've been spent the last, you know, 15, 20 years creating these non-visible or non-tactile spaces. (laughs) And now since you guys have even you know had, had had some more concerts or streams into venues, there's even more conversation about like these digital spaces that are coming into being. So it's really interesting that you you, you bring that up. Um, and speaking of which, Meetum Lab was digital. It was it was live streamed this this year um, as well. Wayne, how was the the Meetum Lab experience for you overall?
0: Yeah, it was. Um, literally just fantastic to be a part of it. To get on the program was really exciting. Um, and then straight away, the caliber of people that were involved um, from obviously the mentors and, and people just on that side of advice giving and um, yeah, jumping into different uh, meetings and um, all, along, all along was just quite incredible. And the, the caliber of the the uh, kind of cohort as well, just the, the other people involved in it. It's just super exciting because you'd see straight away the different areas that um, music, you know, as, as a business is is brilliant at disrupting. And you see just, just quite how uh, remarkable and how stretched um, a lot of those uh, kind of companies take an idea, like how far that they, they move with something so quickly. So, you know, just <laughs> even from that experience, you bounce from, we're like, oh, the metaverse. And then you bounce into web 3.0 and you're just thinking, okay, you know, everything moves at such a pace. So it was really good to get to grips with um, how companies were operating and how they were dealing with that moving pace and just, just what they were coming up with. And to get to sit in that arena and discuss it with people was just brilliant.
2: It's great that you had such a good experience. I've been to the Medium Lab in person and get to kind of observe it from there. In fact, we launched the Music Tectonics podcast at a Medium. Cool uh so a few years ago and interviewed everybody like this except in person because we were we were all there it's great that you had such a good experience even with that transition that translation onto the the live stream um experience um so we got a little bit about the 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 kind of the approach and the model you guys the medium lab experience how far along is ripla daniel where, where do you guys sit in terms, terms of the the trajectory and the development of what you guys are trying to do
3: yeah, we've we've come a long way, and and you know it's it's uh, I, I'm still really glad to be able to to when I look back on who we work with, you know, uh, Mumford and Sons, Keen, the National, and and then recently the Smile, the new uh, Tom York, Johnny Greenwood uh, project, um, you know that's 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 really great for us to, to you know to show that how far along we've come, uh, and that's you know that's something that we're really really proud of, and we and we want to keep working with these top caliber. Top-caliber artists um, as we move forward, and so there's a lot there's a lot that's been developed on that side, and then on the venue side, this recent project has really shown that our network is 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 really come a long way. Um, you know, we can now broadcast to over a thousand venues very easily, um, and there's a there's a really nice combination there of movie theaters, and cinemas, and uh, independent venues, music venues, unique venues. So so we really like the development that side's taking and uh then on the on the sort of online metaverse side you know we've we've had a a really great team that's helped us sort of execute some of the ideas um and show you know at least the the concepts of where we're going with with some of that with some of those concepts um so that's that's sort of like in development um but we have some really strong ideas of where we want it to go um but that side's still kind of work in progress and it, and it kind of, you know, it does help for us to have these live projects where we get a chance to actually, um, try some of these things and, and and present them and see what's working, what isn't. So it's a really exciting time for us.
2: Awesome. What, what do you see happening in the, in the, in the coming year? Um, what can we look for from Ripple next?
3: Um, I would say um, in, in the coming year we're definitely looking at as I say you know some of these some of these larger acts um, carrying on to to put those into as many venues so that fans can go you know and watch together that's still our major core um, business model alongside making that work online as well and over the next few months um, you're going to see how that journey looks for uh, for the for the Rippler audience person, for the Rippler fan, um, to be able to sort of have that engagement online and offline. And that's kind of, that's where we're headed.
2: It's going to be so interesting to see where things go because of all these different different models for the live experience and, and digital versus in person. And, and, you know, right now we're at this moment that was different, even than when you guys were pitching at Meetum lab where it's yeah. like, well, now Omicron is, is over quote end quote. I don't know. <laughs> Haven't heard about any other variants there's over here. There's a lot of, um, you know, fight fights to end mask mandates and, uh, obviously that's going to lead to different experiences in in live too. Hopefully I hope we're past it, but who knows? Um, but we'll, you know, certainly there are going to be some people who continue the, the long tail of, of not wanting to be out in public as well. So (laughs) it's just such an interesting thing. And, you know, even with our music tectonics conference, which we do in LA in October, um, you know, we went online for the last two years, but this year we're planning to be in person in, in October. Um, and, uh, hoping that everyone comes along for the ride, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. I think like Dan mentioned there, the um, kind of audience uh, participation is just this, the whole deal, isn't it? So, um, you know, for the people that can't arrive in, in one space um, but want to participate in some way, um, it it's, gives you that sort of uh, that, that hybrid edge, I suppose, that allows you to, uh, as organizers or event organizers, to, to look at both sides of that and be inclusive to global audiences rather than just being in sort of like one event space. Um, and we're certainly for us, we know that in music fan activation and um, just, just the importance of fans is, is kind of really sort of where we're trying to experiment and test the most just to deliver um, what we think is more kind of, um, just allow just allows a fan to have a more uh, kind of personal and intense experience um with, with exclusive kind of content that sounded weird yeah. than it meant to be sound but <laughs> you know what i mean
2: <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean you're getting into that territory of sort of like where, where are things going to go and what the variety of the experiences can be. And some of it's going to be based on what happened before the pandemic, but some of it's not because of the pandemic and some of it's not because thing, time has passed and you know technology has changed, people's expectations have changed, people's habits have changed yeah. um, and so forth. And, and Wayne, that actually leads me to uh, one thing we like to do on the podcast is sort of like project out into the future. And I'm curious, what are some of your industry projections for things that you expect to see in music innovation in, in 2022 and beyond?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, just, just moving probably into into Web 3.0 and um, just trying to understand what that really means, trying to understand what the metaverse means um, f- for music. Um, it's super exciting. Um, I think that there's the sense that your traditional kind of marketing of, of an album or uh, how you'd release um, as an act, um, I think you're going to, you know, your your tempos will kind of now include um versions of live gigs that end up in a metaverse space that are going to be played out for people that like X genre um as an audience. I think you're just going to be given more um more kind of content um to enjoy. Uh, you're probably going to be able to see uh, kind of glimpses of of bands uh, in, in different kind of guises that you wouldn't have seen before. Um, I just think there's going to be uh, the community aspect of, of coming together um, is a, a real kind of key thing. Obviously, if you go to a gig um, and you see you go with friends, but there are other people there, you don't probably tend to chat to the other people that are at the live gig. But if you move that onto the online side of the metaverse, you start chatting to people randomly, whoever at a gig that you're sharing this cool experience with. So there's just kind of, yeah, that that kind of social kind of interaction between audiences and fan bases, I think is going to be quite key in terms of how people kind of connect those communities together and, and how they really encourage um, the, those communities to engage in um, a kind of, yeah, a, a, an artist's um, gig or an artist tour or, or a chat. I think that's sort of where we see it heading, but
2: yeah can't wait to see what happens uh as things open up again too you know? yeah 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 definitely <laughs> it's, it's like it, it's like uh, i don't know like freedom maybe again or something but yeah but also with lots of new tools in place <laughs>
0: yeah i mean that's it as well isn't it you kind of you, you wonder is there like um we're looking at a sort of companion app to um the, to the live gigs um, that exists in the terms of you know um if you're traveling to something that's that's um in a physical venue um, we can carry along on a second screen um, a whole experience that can add to that, and vice versa. Yeah. If you're, you know, watching something online, however that may be, um, we'll just have that community kind of by your side in, in a different um, sort of sense as well. So, yeah, we're, you know, and also, who knows, right? The, <laughs> that's the other thing. Who, who knows what is going to happen when uh, you know everything opens back up again
2: speaking of who knows uh you were at Meetum lab just this last fall and 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 between the time that you won and the time that we're talking Meetum announced that it's not going to happen in 2022 and and its future's uh kind of in question what do you think about that news wayne that's kind of a shocker
0: yeah that that really was um it was uh where did that come from we're not entirely sure it was um something that um was kind of yeah obviously Quite sad to hear, because we were so pleased to be to be a part of of my and um I, for us you know to to win was incredible and as I said mentioned before, the caliber of the the bands uh, sorry the other um what are we talking? <laughs> Startups. Startups, thank you <laughs> um that were there were just yeah we we were very surprised with our win, so f- for us, it was just you know this is obviously a very well put together um organization that runs a very integral part of music like it was in, it was so incredible to to be a part of it um so yeah it's kind of very surprising um i don't really know the history um fully and i wasn't really aware of of the, the fact that anything like that may occur but um i hope that it kind of reignites in some other shape or form
2: yeah yeah, and there's talk about that too. The city of Cannes was talking about taking it over. Um, right. But yeah, I always liked going there and um, meeting with folks and um, watching the, the... I really liked the Meet'em Lab. <laughs> Honestly, the, the the competition was one of the best best parts of Meet'em for me as well. Yeah. But to carry on with the uh, the band metaphor, which I don't know if that was just uh, a little <laughs> startup band, band confusion startup. or whether you actually <laughs> meant it. But uh, you know, I remember when I was a little kid, my older brother talking about you know, I think it was a band, the English beat. I don't know if you know that band <laughs> saying something like, uh, they, br- they broke up at the high point. That's right. what you should do as a band. Like we you put out the, put out a great album and then break up. So at least you guys yeah. won on that kind of note, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There, there can be nothing that comes later. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, exactly. Yeah. It have been good to be there in person, but, but we couldn't. And then we were there, you know, on the live stream. And now we can't be there at all, but, um, you know, that's, We'll, we'll see
2: what happens it, it, hey it it speaks to sometimes you can't go to these places right sometimes the band doesn't come through your town so exactly. you, you create new new opportunities so <laughs> it's all full full circle it's actually kind of a perfect metaphor really hey wayne <laughs> daniel congrats on the win at Meetem lab congrats on your success you're working with great bands great venues excited to see where things go with ripple thanks for coming on the music tectonics podcast
3: thanks so much for having us thank you
1: Awesome. Stick around after the break for another Medium Lab winning project, Anything World with Gordon Midwood. Calling all music tech startups. Our next seismic activity event invites you to ask an expert. On Wednesday, February 23rd, we're bringing on Kim Han, an expert in entertainment law with the firm Shepard, Mullen, Richter & Hampton LLP. What have you always wanted to ask an attorney? Get answers on anything from licensing to working with PROs to investment strategy. Join us for this free online event and learn more about the legal pitfalls music tech startup founders need to watch out for. Like all our events, this Q&A will be fun and interactive. I mean, seriously, what could be more fun than talking about PROs and licensing and all that stuff? I, I mean, I mean that. Be ready to network in the chat and get on camera to be part of the discussion. That's Wednesday, February 23rd at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on Zoom. Register for the event and learn more about the Seismic Activity Series at musictectonics.com. Now, back to Dimitri.
2: Now I've got with me another winner from Meetum Lab. This is in the live music experiences category. The winner was Anything World, and we have their CEO and CTO, Gordon Midwood, with us here today. Gordon, how are you doing?
4: I'm doing great. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Dimitri. So excited to chat to you.
2: Yeah, great to have you here too. You, where are you right now?
4: Uh, so I'm in between London and the sea, uh, close to London. In the nice.
2: Awesome. Okay. So let's jump right in. Tell us about Anything World. What does the company offer?
4: So Anything World is a platform that uh, allows everybody to be a 3D content creator. What we want to do is democratize 3D content creation to make it sound uh, kind of noble, but basically bring the tools of creating 3D worlds, living 3D worlds into everybody's hands. And we do that by taking static 3D models and bringing them to life using machine learning. But the end result of that is anybody can create 3D worlds with code, with text, or even with their voice
2: wow so w- wait if i create like a, a a little a little beast a little animal or something what do i do with it then
4: whatever you want really so yeah you can yeah I would, this is like normally for the end but if you go to anything.world you can download a plugin and try us out in unity straight away and you can use your voice to say you know make an underwater world add 50 octopuses and 12 sharks and it will create them in front of your eyes and they'll flock, they'll move naturally and then you can adapt that for your needs so we have a lot of people in the live music space. We have a lot of uh, people in casual games, like building out 3D scenes super quickly and easily.
2: And are they using it for like AR assets to put into filters, into games, things like that?
4: Yeah, exactly that kind of thing. So right now um, we're quite well suited to to, uh, casual games, filters, as you say, there's a music filter coming out in the next couple of weeks on Snap, which we're super excited about where you use your voice to transport yourself into a different era. I shouldn't say too much because it's not been announced yet, And i don't want to give too many clues away but it's it's super exciting and very relevant to this conversation um but yeah um we have exactly that kind of kind of stuff going on where you know people making social filters casual games browser-based 3d apps some of them are voice controlled some of them aren't because you don't have to use voice to create um living 3d worlds with our system Uh, but yeah exactly that kind of thing
2: and so your primary users are developers
4: yeah we we are b2b2c in business language but yeah Developers and creators, 3D content creators, for sure. So okay, you got can save like 40% of the time and cost of making a 3D app by using us. But you can also, to give you too much of a sales pitch, you can also create That's limitless fine. worlds, which is what I'm most excited about myself. My co-founder said we made indie games. We made like one of the first Unity games on PlayStation 3, we made PS4 games, mobile games. and was always a bit of a constriction. How many 3D models can we get built? We have to pay someone external and then we can't change them. But with this, like even at runtime, you can add whatever you like into the mix and build out kind of emergent gaming systems that sometimes break in comedy ways, but it's very interesting to to have that kind of freedom.
2: Oh, that's, that's super cool. So are people paying per asset? Are they paying by a subscription? Or?
4: Yeah, so we have subscription fees at the moment. So yeah, we do like, like a Unity way. Subscription based on the on the organization revenue is how we do it at the
2: moment. Okay, very cool. So what's your personal background? How did you get in this? You started to talk about these games. Is that you? Were you making games?
4: Yeah. So, so yeah, I've always loved uh, video games. And uh, yeah, I worked at EA for a few months, uh, many years ago. And then I left and uh, started to make uh, independent games. So I've been making games for myself for many years, like over twenty years to be honest. Flash games wow. is what I started with, hmm. and then I started, i made a very early iPhone game called Lilt Line, which was a minimal dubstep rhythm racing game back when dubstep wasn't horrifically out of fashion. It was a, a London group, very like a hardcore London group called 16 Bit, and I, I loved the music. And, I, and it was just kind of, I've always been interested in rhythm games, so it's a passion. And then I. Uh, met Seb and starter, we created the world's first underwater papercraft video game. All these games are ridiculous. So if it seems confusing and slightly hallucinogenic, that's
2: <laughs> it's supposed that's,
4: to be. That's natural. Don't worry. Don't feel <laughs> you should you should feel confused right now, basically. And, and we made a driving game about racing on multiple tracks at the same time together. So we always have these like wild game ideas. That's so is, cool. He's super visual. He's a street artist by the name of Ronzo and he's his visual skills are like second to none and he makes these beautiful characters. And so as a team I was the more geeky uh, you know, game design person. So we always, we, that's how we got started and that's what we love to do. And then, like I say, like producing 3D content, 3D models and animations for, for our games was always a pain in the ass, to be honest. So yeah. with the rise of things like Sketchfab and Google Poly that's now dead, we thought, what well, if you can take all these assets, bring them to life and let anybody use them at any time.
2: How did you guys meet? Did you grow up together or you met through gaming or?
4: No, it sounds like we grew up together. We do act like a married couple. If it was here, we would be bickering already. Uh, we've known each other for about 15 years. We met in a technology agency in London, just doing some uh, like, work for Red Bull and people like that.
2: Got it. So how was your Medium Lab experience?
4: Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, um, uh, we've uh, been aware of Medium Lab for a few years now. And um, yeah, the, the, the quality of startups there is, 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 is crazy. And there's so much innovation in the music space. It's really, it's exciting just to, you know, be connected to these people and talk to them. And yeah, we were very lucky to win, but it could have been any of the others because they're, they're all so strong.
2: Yeah, it's actually interesting that you're in the live music experience category. Yeah. T- t- tell us a little more about the music connection.
4: Yeah, so Warner Music uh, invested in us uh, almost two years ago now, a year and a half ago. Uh, they were the lead investor in our, in our pre-seed round just after we finished Techstars. We met them on Techstars uh, London program. We met Tiago there and he's a super cool guy, if you know Tiago, very mm-hmm. supportive and we just saw the potential of the technology from the start. We made them a demo of an app called Sing and Play where you sing along to Warner Music tracks and it's visualized. If you sing with the right pitch and tone, you get 3D objects around your face and the kind of a TikToky vibe that they're cool. working on that still now. And that's like a really cool thing that, that we were passionate about. So I. And then you know, with the lockdowns and everything, it, it became kind of hyper relevant. And Warner Music, as as you probably know, invested in Roblox, invested in Dapper Labs. So Tiago and Warner, they're quite you know quite forward thinking in terms of you know what, how does music play out in these three D worlds that we're going to inhabit? So so it was a natural fit for us. And uh, he's a super nice guy. So that that's how it came about. And then yeah
2: it's so interesting to me that you um refer to it as 3d worlds and i understand that's where you came from but i keep thinking it's it's like tools for ar like it just to me i I don't know what the distinction is there but it to me it's like oh this looks like something you layer on top of the real world as opposed to but i guess i guess it could be used either way
4: yeah i mean it's 3d content on top of the real world i guess that's augmented reality isn't it or it's 3d content within games that are not uh, transposed on reality or virtual reality where you're transformed into a different reality, or mixed reality when that properly comes, when Apple bring out their glasses, or Facebook bring out their secret glasses, uh, Snap already in, in that game. So yeah, I guess these terms all blend together, but yeah, and gaming's obviously very strong as well. You know, live yeah. content experiences, virtual content experiences, is yeah. I call it 3D worlds, because I feel like it's a general term that other people call it, of course, the metaverse, um, or, or versions of the same. Yeah, it's all
2: overlapping, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how far along is anything world as a company?
4: so um we've been going for about two years now we've we've been available in public beta for just over a year we have about just over four thousand creators building out stuff in unity mainly casual games lots of music experiences as you know uh, and social filters but the bulk are in casual games and um yeah we've uh, just completed a little prototype for roblox which we're going to show them this month which we're super excited about and um yeah we're we're bringing up the quality of our animations and, and doing automated rigging which generates skeletons bones and weights for for things that uh, should be uh, treated in that way so we can bring up the animation quality and coming to unreal oh, next cool. year it's so a bit of a blabble but uh, we're doing well we've got lots of creators in the casual game space in particular but we're upping the quality and coming to different platforms right now is where we're
2: and today. are you now cash flow positive are you raising more money
4: we're not cash flow positive we're a startup that's not, yeah. not to be expected <laughs> not yet yeah, we're, we're <laughs> yeah it's early days for us um, but yeah we uh, we're not currently raising but uh, we will be next year probably
2: yeah, got it. Okay. Um, so what, what can we, ex- speaking of next year, what else can we expect from you guys coming down the road? What's kind of on the roadmap for you?
4: Yeah, so we've got some really cool use cases in the pipeline. So a big part of this year has been um, getting those user numbers up, talking to creators and developers, getting them onto the platform, showing them what we can do at like trade shows like, uh, uh, like Develop Brighton was a good one for us here in the UK a couple of months back. Um, yeah, so building up those user numbers and getting cool use cases built on the platform. So you can expect to see a lot of cool stuff built on anything world coming along next year. And yeah, coming to Roblox, coming to Unreal, upping the quality of what we can do. Uh, we expect that when we bring in traditional rigging, we'll address a whole new audience of people who right now might think it's not suitable to their needs because we're not high end enough. So we can. And once we start producing content of that, like we can come to double AA, A, games, even real time filmmaking. Anywhere the 3D content is being created, we feel like we can disrupt it and make it easier. So, yeah, it's exciting times for us. So basically taking over the world for next year. That's
2: the next awesome. Are, are there yeah. games out there already that we can see that have the mark of anything world or it's still early for that?
4: Yeah, there, there are indeed. There's, uh, there's a couple from Warner Music, one for Pink Sweats, one for Nico. I can send you the links of those. There's a couple of casual games as well uh project noah's arc was done, done by Spilt milk studio and some uh some students here and yeah, are these we, we app have...
2: app app games app store games or
4: yeah ones at each game so pc and mac uh, and uh, two of those are browser-based and um yeah we have a couple of demos uh mobile ones as well yeah so
2: Awesome. There's fun. We'll, well, if you can send those over, we'll put them in the show notes for people to nice, check yeah, out to what see what it looks like. So um, here, let's widen out a little bit. Uh, Gordon, what are your industry projections for things that you're, you're expecting, say, in 2022 in the whole music innovation space?
4: Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. I mean, I would expect, yeah, the convergence of music and 3D worlds or, or AR worlds, <laughs> any kind of mixed reality worlds to continue. And I would, I would expect, yeah. And we're seeing it all the time, aren't we? Uh, with, you know, music, investing in, in, in 3D worlds.
2: And, um, and, and when you talk about that, what kinds of things are we talking about? What does that look like when it, when it comes to fruition?
4: Yeah, obviously, I guess the two hot topics at the moment are NFTs in particular and, and this notion of a metaverse. So I would expect that to like power on and to see more, you know, 3D NFTs and generation of like procedural 3D content as NFTs in combination with artists and, you know, whole new 3D worlds cropping up branded in an artist's style or platforms, you know, companies like Universal Warner, bring out platforms where, you know, you can experience the different worlds of their artists and get like touch their IP, but also own a piece of it, you know, own a piece of land, style it how you want, share it, building up fan communities in these, in these alternative worlds. I think there's a lot, a lot that's coming with, you know, the metaverse and NFTs combined in the music space. And that's not even thinking about, you know, live music and things like the wave and all the cool stuff they're doing. Live music experiences as well, especially if we're getting hit by a new, new tidal weight of COVID, I, I, you know, that live music uh, uh, experience is going to be, uh, you know, virtual music experience is going to be even more important, too.
2: Yeah, as you talk about it, it makes me think like almost the role that music videos played for music. Um, you'll, you'll, you'll have these kind of interactive experiential things that will play that role. People don't need to make a music video when you basically are the music video as a fan.
4: Yeah, for sure. And the customizing, like with anything well, we've done we've been working on a few prototypes where you can, you know, experience live music virtually and then customize your 3D environment to view it. So you can, you know, have a different stage, you can fill up your environment with what you like, and then you can share it with your friends. So and then have a live view on something, a different live view on the same live concert experience is very interesting to like remix that and you know have all these windows into different people's customized views of a concert that they've styled according to their taste, according to what they want. So that's super interesting. For sure. It's
2: like build your own club, right?
4: Yeah, build your own club and then see other people's clubs at the same time or flip between clubs. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's so funny. As as the whole digital collectibles things was starting to explode mm. at our music tectonics conference, we had a, a session on how to make digital collectibles interoperable. Because mm. it seems like that was like a limitation of, you know, you can watch this one video or GIF or see this art on this one platform yeah. but to really make it part of your identity you kind of have to carry it across from one experience to another but okay. I, I, in a way, like, I'm like, oh, well, what's the digital equivalent of wearing a concert t shirt? And you're like, no, what's the digital equivalent of you get to style the club? You get to style the entire experience. And then fans can, it's, there's a social experience of where you get to share it, not just one object, but you literally are sharing the whole world that you've created with a little bit of a music, uh, you know, whatever the, the concert or the musical asset is there as part of kind of the soundtrack or the experience.
4: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm slightly biased because anything world's slightly more suited to that than, than yeah. anything in a customer avatar. Well, I think both are both are important. So people like ReadyPlay and me are doing like really cool that's work with really cool. avatars.
2: They're,
4: yeah. they're, they're in fact, we're working on a game with them that hasn't yet been announced, but we're announcing now. But, um, yeah, it's coming <laughs> up probably next month with a with a big artist and it's going to be super cool. Uh, the idea there is use their tech, take a snap of your first, generate your own an avatar and then play through like a dynamic anything well generated environment so like the combinations of our two texts in this little um, uh, mobile app is really cool That's and awesome. maybe a sign of things to come because you're going to need you know a representation of you to put in all these virtual spaces but you're also going to need to generate living worlds or be playful or ugc so i think it's all valid for sure yeah and like, but- as you say like at the moment it's kind of like different spaces you know you might go to the wave to experience a live concert you might go and play in Fortnite. you might go to roblox it's not it's not one thing so the interoperability of your experiences or bringing your records of what you're doing or your avatars or environments between these different platforms i guess is important in the in the short medium term
2: It's just interesting how from your, your, you know, your perspective, me listening to your perspective of having this machine that can generate these 3D objects just shifts the whole concept of rather than like, how do you make this one thing go here, there? Instead, it's like, we've got all these things, we can put them everywhere, you know, and it it just kind of shifts what you're, you know, it it makes you think about what the possible it's disruptive in the sense that you start thinking about creating environments rather than creating objects in existing environments. Yes, pretty for sure. cool. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. what
4: we're trying to do. Yeah. And I guess like we're part of a wider trend of machine learning, empowering, easy creation, whether that's you, uh, you know, I don't know, talking to Alexa to to, to buy something or or Google typing out your email for you. All these machine learning, like very heavy technical things in the background, making it easier for people to create stuff. And we're that yeah. 3D world. So yeah.
2: Super cool. All right. Well, this has been a blast dipping in to, to see who you are now that you've won that, that Medium Lab. Unfortunately, in the midst of producing this episode, we got the news that Meet'em not going to happen in 2022. Um, initially, it made it sound like it's gone forever. Now there's talks about the city of Cannes maybe taking on the brand or something like that. What do you think about this news happening with, with Meet'em, at least not happening in 2022?
4: Yeah, very sad. Uh, really very sad. I guess it's another uh, COVID casualty, but yeah, Meet'em Lab has been amazing. And the, the caliber of um, people there is bit, it's just incredible. So. As I said, you know, we won, but anybody could have won, and uh, I'm not even sure we're worthy winners considering who we're up against. So, it would be a real shame for it to go completely, for sure. And um, yeah, we have to keep it going in some form. And,
2: uh, yeah. yeah, I them Lab. I've got I've gone in person to several of them, and it really is a good vibe. I mean, the international aspect mm-hmm. of it, but also the quality of of people they're recruiting, the diversity of different. I mean, like yeah. I wouldn't even think of you guys as a music company, honestly, and here you are, yeah. but with this overlap with music, and uh, um, it, it was just, and then also the advisors, the crew of people they put around the startups to have conversations. Super cool. So hopefully something will come through. Um, I'm sure everyone involved will still be doing something in this mix. Gordon, it's so great to, to have this quick snapshot of what Anything World is up to. Again, say the, say the URL.
4: It's anything.world. And yeah, if you're in any way interested in creating 3D worlds, go and visit anything.world or Google Anything World. We'll come up as a top result because we've got a weird name. And yeah, you can download our plugin for free and start playing with stuff, start even creating with your voice. I would love, to, love for you to do that and uh, get your feedback on what we're doing.
2: Awesome. Well, it's been great to have you on the show. Look forward to running into in person or the metaverse sometime soon.
4: Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you so much, Dimitri. Thanks for having us.
2: All right. See ya. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know you can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it,
1: on LinkedIn. Bye-bye. You're listening to Music Tectonics.